What is cracking big dose? Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE. Big dogs gotta eat fantasy football, and it is Saturday, which means you are joining me for a live stream. This is a QA live stream, but I'm gonna do this one a little bit differently. I wanted to pick a theme, I wanted to pick a topic and kind of give you a mixture of Q&A, which will be after I break down the topic. <clears throat> In the beginning, the preface, the topic itself is going to be sort of like one of the individual videos that I put out. I want to run through it quickly. Koenig, you could post the pick, uh, the questions in here. I'll get to them in a second. Typically, I would uh, just run right into Q&A and answer all you guys' questions. So welcome into the channel. Welcome into the video. Uh, if you want to be part of the Q&A live stream, if you actually want to come in here and ask me your personalized questions, y'all can do so through patreon.com slash B-D-G-E. So today's, today's topic is going to be players that I hate. Players that I hate. But I might be wrong on, okay? Every year there are a few guys that I can't sleep over, right? My nightmares are made of these guys because I'd spend all summer talking shit about them and then they end up being really, really good at football. And then 10% of my comments for the next 12 months are simply just those people's names, just living and marinating in my comment section as if it was a fucking filet mignon and you guys are the A1 steak sauce. It's disrespectful, but it's important that we acknowledge it, okay? So there are some guys that I hate this year that I won't be drafting, that I won't be fucking wrong about. It's David Johnson, it's Todd Gurley, it's Le'Veon Bell, it's guys like that, okay? But there are some dudes that are polarizing. There are some dudes that a lot of guys love that I acknowledge I could be very wrong about. I go about the situation at hand, and after I'm done calculating with my TI, it comes out to a negative. The ROI on drafting these players is negative. However, in their range of outcomes, might be something very, 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 very pretty. Okay, so we're going to go down quickly a list of the guys that I hate that I might be wrong. I'm going to make the case for why I might be wrong. Simply put, because y'all probably want me to stop talking at this point. Simply put, I'm going to make the case for why I might be wrong about a guy like Leonard Fournette. Okay, so if you're still with me in the Q&A, don't worry. We're going to do a full Q&A, the 30 minute breakdown after I'm done talking about all the guys I hate. So Leonard Fournette. I'll start with why I don't like him, right? I just think in every efficiency metric last year, he was really bad. Had he not saw 100 targets, he would have been a major disappointment in fantasy. People want to talk about regression and why his touchdown numbers are going to go up. That's that's fine. He had eight goal line carries last year. And yes, he had 100% of the goal line carries in Jacksonville. The problem is eight is not a volume number that's going to push the needle in fantasy football, right? We say, oh, he's due for positive regression in the touchdown category. No, he's not. He might get more touchdowns, but he's not due for it because the offense fucking stinks. The offensive line fucking stinks, okay? So the problem I have with a guy like Leonard Fournette and the analysis is people always look at these things as black and white. They say, oh, the offensive line has to improve. Like, one, why? No, it doesn't. There's always going to be teams that finish in the 25 to 32 ranked ranges, right? There, there's a reason that they were bad last year because they're made up of bad players. So, yes, they can continue to be bad. But... The, the marginal improvements are where people get fucked up, I think. Like, they can improve from the 26th ranked run blocking line, which they were last year, to like 23, 23, 22, 21st overall, and still not be a good run blocking line. That is a problem. So you can take the improvement, you can take the step up, 
minor step ups is which we usually end up seeing in the NFL. We don't always see these Rams type turnaround where it goes from first in the NFL to last or last to first back to last. We don't typically see those. They're not the norm. But for Jacksonville, you could take a, a step up here in the offensive line and still be disappointing. Like they took their offensive line was bad last year. They took one offensive lineman in the draft, a fourth round guy who's going to be inserted into their starting lineup immediately. So I don't think it's going to be good. Jay Gruden comes over here as an offensive coordinator. Bring handpicks Chris Thompson. I understand Chris Thompson's probably not good anymore, and he lost a lot of his explosion. But the fact that he brought him over single-handedly after being with him for four years in Washington is scary because he probably has an idea in mind for how he's going to use Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson. That being said, that being said, there's no one actually talented in the backfield to take over Leonard Fournette's touches. Like, they didn't bring in a real free agent to take carries away from Leonard Fournette. It's literally only like Reichwell Armstead. I love me some Divina Zigbo, but it's clear he's not going to get a shot here. So, I look at Leonard Fournette the same way I look at David Montgomery. Like, I, Leonard Fournette has the long speed, and that's what makes him the difference. But they're both bad running backs, efficiency metric-wise. They are both on bad offenses, both behind bad offensive lines. The situation is almost always capping the running back ceiling, right? The situation that the running back is in. So I think you're going to get a volume play out of Fournette. There is a very, very strong case that he ends up still finishing. If you told me in a, in a vacuum, okay, this guy's going to get 250 carries as well as 50 or 60 targets. The question becomes like, how many targets does he really end up with? He had 100 last year, caught 70 balls. If he's still at 60 targets, that's still a very high number for a running back, okay? And maybe he gets a little bit lucky and breaks off a couple of the big plays because we saw him run for you know a 60-yard gain, a 70-yard gain last year. If he has another one or two of those, his yards per carry is going to go up from whatever it was last year, 4.3 to, you know, 4.6 maybe. I I really am am strongly in the belief that the touchdown numbers are not an automatic to increase from anywhere from like three to, you know, he he doesn't have to finish with eight or nine touchdowns. He could finish with like six and it'll be an improvement. So there's a chance that, yes, because there's nobody talented in this backfield, he just continues to be the workhorse. And maybe this team's a little bit better, but I don't think like just saying, oh, they're going to be an improved offense. Like, yeah, obviously they averaged like 16.7 points per game last year. I'd hope they'd be an improved offense. So the case for Leonard Fournette is that the volume is there and a couple lucky breaks because we're in a 16-game sample size could be the difference for a guy like Fournette. Stefan Diggs. This is one that I'm not like necessarily, I haven't been really been talking shit about Stefan Diggs, but the industry as a whole, as soon as he went to Buffalo, his ADP dropped by like three rounds pretty much. It's because this is a run-first team. They ranked 26th in passing rate last year in Buffalo. They were 29th the year before. Like, under the same coaching staff, they're going to continue to be a run-first team. They just drafted another thumper in Zach Moss, who's going to make sure that they continue to be a run-first team. And they're a team with a wildly inaccurate deep passer at quarterback. And that is where Stephon Diggs excels. That is where his ceiling will be hit if it does get hit in fantasy. However, this is the first time that we're ever actually getting to see Stefan Diggs operate as a true alpha in the offense. He was always the little brother to Adam Thielen, no matter which way you want to cut it. Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins' energy, their chemistry was beautiful, okay? And Diggs never got the chance to be the one there. This is the first time, and he is skilled enough, he is talented enough, he's up there with, he's par for par, pound for pound, one of the best route runners, the best fantasy football wide receivers not fantasy football but wide receivers in the game he's up there with with anyone right he's in that elite status in terms of just pure route running separation stuff like that so now he gets operated as a pure alpha and the draft capital they gave up for him included four picks four draft picks including this year's first round pick that tells you that they felt you know they were mortgaging they were getting away their future they're giving away their future for digs which tells you that they think he is the um 
he is the piece that they were missing to get that playoff win, right? They almost got the playoff win. They didn't get it. They got the playoff win. They think they're going to do that with Diggs this year and then make a Super Bowl run. They think he was the missing piece there. So when you look at last year, like, dude, John Brown, a 29-year-old John Brown commanded 115 targets, 1,060 receiving yards, his career high. If John Brown can do that, it is not out of the range of outcomes for Diggs to hit that number and surpass it, right? He's currently the wide receiver 26th, 6th, 7th round pick right now. He has a solid floor. It's not it's not great, but it's definitely solid, and I think it's an underrated ceiling, man. Just the, the talent alone and him being able to be the alpha in this offense tells me that I think in his range of outcomes is 120, 130 target season for Stefan Diggs, and if that's the case, we're all going to look pretty fucking dumb. I'm going to look pretty dumb if I continue to fade A.J. Green and he is back to his normal status, right? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really fucking care about A.J. Green. I'm probably not going to be drafting him. We haven't seen him do it for a full season in like nine years. You could save like the points per game bullshit from a half a season three years ago. Talent is a skill, yes, and A.J. Green is certainly talented, but durability is also a skill when it comes to fantasy football. Last year, y'all know, no one was, was – this might have been my best call of the year. Like back in March, I was like, A.J. Green is not going to step foot on the field. Don't draft A.J. Green. He's not going to play this year. And and that somehow came to fruition. I don't know how I called that. I don't know what happened. I probably blacked out and made a, made a fantastic call, which is the opposite of what I do when I typically black out. Only cause problems for myself. Very irresponsible. This year, I'm higher on green than I was last year. <clears throat> you can confidently say going into this year, now like 19 months removed from his foot surgeries, that A.J. Green is going to be healthy. Last year, we knew going into the year he wasn't. Again, don't chase injuries because they're going to find you throughout the season. So this year, he's going in healthy. And the problem is we haven't seen him on the field in a long time, but there's like a 10% chance that we see vintage A.J. Green. He's older, but you know, even like a 80% of vintage A.J. Green is going to be a good pick in the 7th, 8th round of, of fantasy football drafts. Uh, he's got a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who you could easily say is the best quarterback he's played with, but in Andy Dalton's prime years, like statistically, that's what we might hope for Joe Burrow. Like, yes, in a vacuum, he's better than Andy Dalton as a prospect and probably will be as an NFL player, but just saying he's the best quarterback he's ever played with doesn't take into account what Andy Dalton did statistically and what we can expect from Joe Burrow statistically in his rookie year. Like, the two are not on par there. So I think that's kind of lazy analysis. But if Burrow comes out and just rips through what he did from LSU into Cincinnati, into the NFL, then A.J. Green can certainly cement himself as a big piece of this offense. We just heard, I just heard recently that T. Higgins has not been at training camp. So I'm, I'm nervous that this season is going to be a fucking wash for T. Higgins already, to be honest, which means A.J. Green is going to be on the field as a full-time player. There is definitely an outcome where he becomes a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. Two more guys. Hang with me. We're going to get into that Q&A. I promise. I promise. Cooper Cup, Los Angeles Rams. Um, now, I guess he doesn't really fit the mold here because he's not a guy I hate. I'm not fading Cooper Cup in drafts, but in drafts, you are going to have to choose between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And I guess this is the bigger picture here. And I have pitched my tent in the Robert Woods forest on this one. I will be going Woods over Cooper Cup. The number one factor here that I think is going underrated is the fact that Cooper Cup is two years removed from the ACL now. By all accounts and purposes, he had a fantastic year last year when you look at the end-of-season numbers, right? Cooper Cup was a top eight, I think, wide receiver in PPR leagues. Ends up with 134 targets, 11th in the NFL. He ends up with 94 receptions, 7th in the NFL, 1,162 receiving yards, 11th in the NFL, 4th in yards after catch, 10 total touchdowns, trailed only Kenny Galladay. So when you look at the raw numbers, shit is 
pretty spicy. The problem being, I'm going to slip over to share screen. When we look a little bit deeper, and thank you to Player Profiler, who is a beautiful, 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 beautiful website that you should all be using for your analysis every single damn day. Player Profiler has not only this page, like you guys know about this, obviously. Um, it has all these advanced metrics. It has the 40-yard time. It has a speed score, the bio, and all the stats that he put up last year, as well as efficiency. One of the coolest parts about Player Profiler, though, that's underrated is this game log button right here. When you go to the game log, especially awesome for wide receivers because – let me move my little social piece up here so you guys can go follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you're not already doing so. The game log tells you the snap share on a weekly basis. This is like a lot of people don't get this advanced when they start to do their analysis, right? Like I'll give you these numbers, but as a player, like you don't know where to go to get these. This is where you can go to get these. Player profiler is absolutely free. You type in Cooper Cup, go to the game log sheet. Not only does it tell you the snap share, but it tells you the primary corner as well. So you can see how successful someone was against a good cornerback, right? It tells you the routes run, the targets, the receptions, the receiving yards, and the fantasy points. The problem with Cooper Cup is the first half of the year, was ridiculous. Two games over 33 fantasy points. Another two games over 26 fantasy points. He was legit like a top three wide receiver in fantasy. If you owned him last year, remember how good he was. And he was running at like a 95% rate. Soon as that week nine buy happened, and this is where we could be wrong. Like, because a lot of times I kind of look at the average and I'm like, oh, he only ran, you know, 68% of the routes or 58% of the routes over the second half of the year. He still had games 95% here, 94% here, 100% of the snaps here. 73 here and then it started to dip down towards the end of the year and we don't really have context behind why that happened but he still was very involved after the buy his numbers just started to dip a little bit but he still finished with as you can see here five games in a row of a touchdown right we know that the rams went very 12 personnel heavy over the second half of the year which forced two outside wide receivers to happen cooper cup is a lot less effective on the outside when that happens that's why his numbers started to dip off his involvement started to dip off and you saw robert woods become the guy there but I think that, um, let me move back to my beautiful, beautiful face. I think that when we look at why I might be wrong about Cooper Cup, it's possible that this Rams offensive line isn't dreadful, isn't terrible like it was last year, and they don't have to go as 12 personnel heavy, and that Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup can lead the slot role again, right? Be a 78% slot guy. And going back to the ACL tear, man, it's the reason we don't draft guys one year out of the ACL. They need two years to 100% physically and mentally recover from that shit. It's the reason why we like Dalvin Cook last year. It's the reason why we like Allen Robinson. It's the reason why we like Deshaun Watson two years after the ACL tear, and now he's back to his elite status. Like, if we're going to use that narrative for all of the players, we also have to use it for Cup. So Cup put up these really impressive numbers, which I do want to preface. It was a very weak year for elite wide receivers, which is why his rankings were so high up there. But nonetheless, really impressive one year off the ACL, which was midway through the 2018 season. So he was barely a full year when the season started. He wasn't even a full year when the season started. Wasn't full year until week eight or nine into the season. So now he's two years removed, which means he's going to be stronger. He's going to be physically faster and be able to cut and move more. So he might actually be a better player this year than he was last year. And the chemistry is also undeniable between Jared Goff and Cooper Cup, especially near the end zone, man. Again, a limited sample size. We saw his snaps get pulled back. He still ran the table five straight touchdowns in his final five games. Four of them came within the 10-yard line. He is Goff's go-to receiver when he's down there. So it's very possible that Cooper Cup is just stronger than he was last year because of the ACL. They don't run as much 12 personnel, and he still ends up with eight to 10 receiving touchdowns. And at that point, 
I will be probably a little sad that I faded him in the fourth, fifth round. Cooper Cup's still definitely a guy that, not fading, but there's reasons for optimism and pessimism. Mike Kosicki, Mike Kosicki, Mike Kosicki is the last guy I'll put on this list. I think Mike Kosicki is, is not a good football player. He was fine in fantasy last year down the stretch because he got a lot of volume. But he is, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, Mike Kosicki broke zero tackles. Zero tackles on the 51 receptions he had last year, or however many he had, 59, 51, I think it was. Zero tackles on them. Info per sportsinfosolution.com, advanced analytics website. Zero tackles he broke. The only tight end that had a worse broken tackle rate in the NFL last year was Jason Witten, who's who fucking broke zero tackles on 63 receptions. So Mike Kosicki, he is a gym class hero, but does nothing when the ball is in his hands. Has no yak, has no broken tackle ability. He just looks explosive in shorts. The problem is this. Volume is enough to truncate all of those other issues when it comes to fantasy tight ends. Everything about Mike Kosicki revolves around Preston Williams for me. And right now, Preston Williams' outlook, what they're saying about Preston Williams is not good. They don't know. They're like, we don't know what he's going to be doing in the beginning of the season. Is it going to be limited? Is it going to be less than 100%? Most of the reports are weary. Most of the reports have nothing concrete saying that he's looking good and spry and fucking at 100%. So yeah, Preston Williams was super impressive last year. But as soon as he went down, it was the Gasicki and Parker show. And I'm afraid that we're going to get that for at least the first half of the season. And in those games, the second half of the year, Gasicki averaged over seven targets a game. So even if you're, you know, Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, those are guys that are not good with the ball in their hands. But if you're going to become a vital part of the offense, all you got to do is catch the ball, fall down. That's usually good enough to be a heavy producer as a fantasy tight end. So again, if Preston Williams, they're saying he's back and he's running, you know, 85% of the routes during the games. This is why this is why we need preseason, man. This is why preseason was so big because we get a, a glimpse at how healthy Preston Williams really is. How many snaps is he running a game? Is he running all the snaps with the first team? If that was the case, I'd be fading Gasicki because he would disappoint. I promise you that. If he's not going to get the volume, he's not going to be a big playmaker. But since all the reports are going the other way, I have no choice really but to move Mike Kosicki up, up my draft boards. Okay, okay, time to get to Q&A. How are we doing, 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 doing? Got a lot of comments in here. At what point do you draft? I don't even know where to start. I'm going to look through. Um, first off, first off, first off, first off, first off. If y'all enjoyed that little section, let me know if you want me to do something like that at the beginning of each Q&A section or if you want me to just run right into the Q&As. I could do either. You can't put nothing past me, all right? The hardest working piece of shit in the world. Emphasis on POS. Let me know how you liked it. If you did, again, hit that thumbs up button. It lets me know that you did. Uh, Subscribe to the channel if you're new. For all the people that are watching on YouTube afterwards. And we shall get into the Q&A, which you could sign up for if you want to be involved in the Q&A on patreon.com slash bdge. Okay, the whole third round of running backs makes me want to puke. I'm getting higher and higher on Fournette and MG3, though. Yeah, you know what's unfortunate? Like, I'm, there's just so many people that like Fournette this year that I feel like they're bullying me into liking him at the end of the third round. So if you're going to go with the running back in the third round, we have to hear more reports on Chris Carson, bro. Like, he's not been at training camp, but it's because of a personal issue. So I think a death in the family or something. I would like to know what his health status is because he's going into the year. It seems like injured. And again, we fade injuries going into the year. So I've liked, I've liked Carson up to this point, but the closer we get to the season without seeing him on the field, the more weary I get from it. So Melvin and even, I guess, Fournette seems to be the most 
logical picks there, although we're going early running backs, rounds one, two. Got to do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. <sighs> Let's see. Guess who's bike? Bike again. Would you do Gibson for a first? I would I would move Gibson for a first. I would take a first in return for Gibson. If you know it's going to be like the 112 or the 111, I'm probably going to sit tight with Gibson and see what I have. I think there are going to be tons of sell windows for Gibson because he's a polarizing player. He's one of those guys that will have weeks where he goes three carries for seven yards, but then he's going to have a week where he busts out for 70-yard touchdown, and that's when you want to sell if you do. My problem with late round, first round picks coming into this next year is I have, I have, I have very little faith that our hit rate on these college prospects coming out next year, assuming we don't have a college season, is going to be very poor. So first round, all all rookie draft picks for me next year are going to be devalued a bit. Was good, Harias. Skirt. Damian Harias. Hello, Pretty Richard. Let's see. Let's see. Scotty Boy. What's up? What's up, Big Poppy? How many extra roster spots is the correct number to add for Superflex Dynasty Leagues? What do you mean extra roster spots? Like, you're, I feel like your Dynasty League should have already been a lot of roster spots. Do you mean for redraft? For Dynasty, if you're doing a super flex league, I typically I think we typically do like 28 roster spots, I want to say. And then we're opening up the IR for like COVID IR. Most of the Dynasty platforms like Flea Flicker and Sleeper have done a good job already putting that feature into their platform where they have guys that can be listed on the COVID list and then that could they could be put on the IR COVID spot. That makes sense. So I I, I mean you're not going to add roster spots for right now. But you will open up more IR COVID spots. Talk about my guy, Drew Locke. Me and FB God went at it for a little. Put some respect on his name. Drew Locke is is probably a, a guy I'm not going to invest much in. He's a guy I kind of want to see it before I do invest in. Like I'm, I'm, I'm okay missing the train on Drew Locke if I do. I I think that... I mean, they're doing everything right there in Denver. So I'm not going to be surprised if he does well. But I just don't know if he's good enough to like really make himself a fixture in fantasy for a long time. He's a guy like I don't I don't tend to invest in risk when it comes to like dynasty and long term outlook. I'd rather have someone safe, especially not in super flex leagues because you're never I mean, you're, it, the price for a quarterback to pay if you do bust on one is is super high. Where can I get 2019 consistency stats for PPR? I want to grow what percentage of the time players are a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Uh, so like purely based off that, I'm not actually sure. In our draft guide, we have consistency charts, but I think it's only for half PPR. And we do it by like fantasy points scored rather than wide receiver one or wide receiver two, which I think makes more sense because wide receiver one, wide receiver two is is inconsistent on a week-to-week basis. Like you might have only had to score eight points to be a wide receiver one a random week, but if you go just by pure fantasy points, I think it gives you a better outlook. So um, it is in the draft guide if you've already copped it, bigdogdraftguide.com, or if you just go to monkeyknifefight.com, who is sponsoring the draft guide, you can get everything we've got on the website for $10, plus that $10 to play with on Monkey Knife Fight. So monkeyknifefight.com, 
deposit. I'm just going to throw the fucking directions up on the screeny for you. Where are you? Skirt. Monkeyknifefight.com. Deposit 10 or more dollars using promo code BDGE. Play a game of $2 or more on their website. You will get an email from me within 24 hours, which will give you access to our season-long guide, our rookie dynasty guide, Dr. Morse's complete injury guide. Promise you it's the best deal, the best value, the best everything in the industry. Now, how do I get this fucking thing off my screen? Minimize. Get back to my ugly face. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I think people are making this 12 personnel a big thing prior to the last eight weeks of the year. McVay was driving force to the new way for three wide receiver sets. That's the thing. Like, McVay seems to be a good coach. He seems to adapt. The fact that he did adapt tells me that he will continue to do whatever's best for his team. The three wide receiver sets was like unguardable for two years in the NFL. I think a lot of that probably revolved around the fact that their offensive line was just so damn strong. And now they had to pivot because their offensive line is not strong. They had to put an extra blocker up there. So really depends on what kind of step up or step down we see from the offensive line. I think, I think McVay is a good enough coach that we might not, you know, we might come out of next year being like, oh, he played fucking two running back sets on 60% of the time because that's what the fucking offense dictated. So we could all be absolutely wrong about this, but this is a, what, what, what have you done for me lately? You know? All right. All right. Is there a way to clear the comments right before you start the Q&A make it a lot easier to know when the questions start? I have no idea what you mean. I'm getting, I get the comments in real time. When I answered, I sh I'm going to try to, I'm also, we're also delayed. Like what I'm saying right now happened in real life 15 seconds ago, because when you're streaming through most of the streaming software that's out there in the world, it's always a little bit of a lag. So I go through questions in real time that are a little bit behind you, right? Um, so I'll try to say the person's name and then the question that I'm answering. So it makes sense to you guys. Also, if, obviously, if you're listening in during, in the podcast, this is we're a video brand. All right. We do. We make films. We make featured films. We make Oscar worthy Q&A, and assault featured films. So it's probably more helpful if you're watching on YouTube than listening via podcast. Report was Carson was fully healthy. Yeah, I mean, like everybody is fully healthy all the time until we need them to be on the fucking field and he's not. So I, I don't I don't believe that whatsoever. James Conner getting some serious buzz from people I respect for third round running backs. Yeah, I'm not I'm not touching James Conner. Animal House sounds better than Animal's House, in my opinion, just a suggestion. I don't care. I'm not, I have no fucking part in that, to be honest. They could do whatever they want. Drop some mad Blink-182 lyrics for us again. Your voice is of the angels. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Is that a was that a pun like Angels and Airways pun? Uh, I can't sing. I, I I'm my voice is shot right now between doing this for the last thirty minutes and I just filmed Monday's video an hour before this. So I I don't have it in me right now. I need to save some energy for the rest of the day. So you can't be you can't get my singing right now. Do Koenig 52 asks, do you draft differently in Superflex redraft with quarterbacks, six point throwing touchdown, bonus, favorite candle from Bed, Bath, and Beyond, or from Bath and Body? Uh, so I actually went over this exact point in the Big Dogs Bible, which is in the draft guide. So six point per passing touchdown quarterbacks don't make me draft differently. All they do is move the positional rankings within the quarterback position itself. So it would make me draft a guy like Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz over a Josh Allen. It would make me draft, you know, Patrick Mahomes probably over Lamar Jackson. That's all it really does. It doesn't actually move players up in my overall rankings though. Skirt. Favorite candles from Bath and Body? I don't know. I don't really, I don't, I don't shop for candles there. Like my neighbor just gave me this candle. I don't know where she, maybe there's some humor behind it. Like Comedy Central is supposed to be a funny smelling candle, but you know, it sucks. Like every time I try to buy candles, I'm like, okay, I don't want to spend $48 on a candle. So I end up buying the cheap one. And if there's ever a real life situation where the term you get what you pays for comes to fruition, it is candles. If you buy a three to five dollar candle, like you're getting three cents worth of smell. It's so bad. Richie, you just be asking me questions that like you know what my answer is going to be. Richard Watkins, pretty Richie Watkins asked, Le'Veon Bell or Gurley? My, I'm not drafting either of them. I don't care about the value that you think they have. I'm not, they're just not going to be on my team. New esports fan. Fantasy pros boom bust and everything in between equals consistency. Yes, Mike Tags does a fantastic write-up every summer about consistency in the year prior. So go go on Google if you want to know consistency. Go on Google, type in Mike Tagliere or Fantasy Pros, Boom Bust, and everything in between. No love for Kenny G this year. No, I uh I think last year, like where he finished last year was a product of the fantasy wide receiver position being really down. Like his stats last year would, uh, I I believe finished him like outside the top 12 in, uh, in wide receiver scoring in 2018. I just, he's not a guy I want like half PPR PPR. He's not going to score this many touchdowns again this year. Um, I don't know. Like I like Kenny G. I just, I just think like the volume is just way too low for me to actually think he's going to finish as like a top, seven wide fantasy wide receiver which is where you got to draft him 
He means turn off comments before you start Q&A. Why would I turn off? How the fuck am I going to answer questions if I don't have comments? Am I crazy for taking CEH at running back four? Cook and Kamara do have some slight injury concern. I want to say from Henry and the rest to me is that at least. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I wouldn't personally do it. Uh, I don't think Kamara has any injury concern. We went over this a few times. And there are a lot of doctors in the space that have confirmed it was an MCL sprain, which doesn't need surgery. So the part about him like tearing up his knee has no concern spilling into 2020. Um, so I definitely have Kamara over CEH. I, I, I could totally understand like, if someone does it, I'm just personally not going to do it. Nick, do you use trade calculators? I'm assuming you mean in Dynasty. And if so, is there one you recommend over others? Yeah, so uh, I don't really personally use Dynasty trade calculators. When I started off, I definitely did, though, because there's a huge learning curve when you start in Dynasty. And um, and trading can be a little intimidating between trading picks and players, and you don't know like the value of a player long term. Once you start playing for a while, there's usually like an, uh, an on switch I think you hit in Dynasty. I think uh, typically around like, a year or a year and a half into it, probably after your first full year and then you do your rookie draft, like there's usually something that kind of clicks after that where you're like, okay, I'm starting to understand Dynasty a little bit more. But if you're new, you kind of have no idea. My favorite trade calculator in this is, while Player Profiler does sponsor our videos, their trade app is by far and away my favorite in the industry. It is the Dynasty Dominator app. It is uh, a paid app though. So it's $4.99. And I think it is 100% worth it. I think it is the best way. Uh, like if you use player profiler, if you use their rankings, if you use their stats, like this is their trade calculator for it. I think they give you the most realistic. It's just not cookie cutter. Most dynasty trade calculators uh, are just like so basic and they spit out exactly what you would think they would spit out. And I don't think they factor a lot of good things into it. So dynasty dominator app from player profiler is absolutely my favorite app to go to if I do want to look at trade scenarios. In redraft, I have Saquon and Josh Jacobs at keeper. That is beautiful. At pick 504, would you reach for Dobbins or Swift? It's a three-keeper league. My third keeper this year is Mahomes and hoping for a three-headed monster. Uh, yes. So I would take Swift there for sure because Swift is going to be not only a monster keeper, but that's about where his value is for redraft. For me. Like I want him in the fifth round of most of my redraft leagues. So prime time, I would fucking stack up Saquon, Jacobs, and Swifty. Is the 108 too early for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in half PPR redraft? Uh, we kind of just answered this question. So, so no, I, I mean, I have him at, I think, like the 106 or 107 in my rankings. 107, maybe. So, no. When's the next business behind behind the business of fantasy football? So, that's something I only do in the offseason. When summer hits, right after the NFL draft hits, I, I usually start right when the offseason starts. As soon as fantasy football championships are done through the NFL draft, I do the behind the business series. But tomorrow, I actually have a podcast coming out where I talked with uh, Edwin, the PT from Fantasy Points, um, a lot about just branding within the fantasy space. What I'm going to start doing is putting up the appearances that I have throughout the, the week on other people's shows and other people's podcasts. I'm going to upload to my channel and to my podcast on Sundays because I don't upload typically content on Sundays. So that's a way of kind of plugging a fucking hole there for you guys. So if you want more content, there you go. So tomorrow we have two pieces of content coming out. One of them will only be on the podcast. So if you want to listen to it, which is more like business and content and marketing related, you'll have to subscribe to the big dogs 
podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, iTunes. It's on all of these places. Let me see if I... No, I don't have it there. Whatever. Uh, you just search BDGE Fantasy Football in iTunes or the App Store or the podcast store or whatever, and you'll be able to find it. But yeah, those will start up in the offseason, uh, right after fantasy football season is done. How much higher do you move Kelsey, Kelsey Kittle, and tight end premium? So I actually started thinking about this pretty heavily the last few days. And I am still not willing to take either of those guys in the first round. And I will say the reason is this. The reason people want to take Kelsey and Kittle in the first round is because the main argument is always like, oh, well, Kelsey finished as like the wide receiver two last year if you use tight end premium scoring. And I'm like, yo, that's cool. However, this year, do we want to use our first round pick on the wide receiver two? Right. If it wasn't Kelsey, if it was, if you told me that you're drafting the wide receiver two, you're still not trying to draft him in the first round. Right. So even if that's your argument for why Kelsey or Kittle deserve to be up there because they're amongst the elite wide receivers, we don't want to draft elite wide receivers. We want the running backs in the early rounds. So those are second round picks for me still. In 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 tight end premium, they're worth probably like one of the first few picks in the second round. But I still want to secure one of the elite running backs before I get one of those guys. I hope that kind of makes sense. What if I already have Bell and Gurley on my dynasty team left over from last year? You better get them the fuck off. Send them send send them trade offers to someone. See if you can get a back end first round pick, which you probably won't be able to. But I would probably move them for. Uh, Maybe like a second and a guy like, I don't know, like Justice Hill or someone who's kind of been forgotten about under the radar. Uh, that's what I would personally do. Dropped $100 at Bath and Body with my lady yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you got to do it, man. It, it, it's that, the equivalent of buying the, the candle equivalent is like the same thing as going to like an NBA game where it's if you're not paying the premium price to get a good candle or for lower level seats, you're not, you're just not going to enjoy the experience. Nick, why are people sleeping on Devonte Parker down in the second half of the season? Yeah. I mean, he'll always have that stigma from not doing shit for four years. And Preston Williams was the dominant wide receiver there over the first half of last year. But again, similar to what I said, similar what, to what I said about Mike Kosicki in the beginning of this video, I have, I have very little faith that Preston Williams is going to be healthy entering the year. He might play. He might not hit the pup list. But, like, I don't think he's going to be ready to roll coming off the ACL late in the year last year. So, Devontae Parker, definitely a very good value in the sixth round. I use Don, Dynasty Dominator. Also, other league mates use different ones. How do you handle discrepancies and differences between trade calculators when negotiating trades? I mean, listen, the worst fucking trade negotiations were just like, look what my trade calculator said. Look what my trade calculator said. If that's how your negotiations go, then you really have no hope in doing so. I don't think you should ever throw the calculations into the trade. There's something for you on the back end to know that you're not fucking getting swindled or intentionally swindling somebody else. If you don't know, that's when you use it. But you don't use it to make your point because at the end of the day these are just rankings from sites okay so like it's not cookie cutter it's not like oh well they gave me a number which means i'm right and you're wrong or you're actually winning this trade like you can't force that upon people dude that spinning wheel stream that you were on the other day was hilarious animal snacks were crumbled under the pressure yeah that was really fucking fun that uh tony that's actually going to be the piece of content that I'm putting on YouTube tomorrow. So I got Pete's video from it and I'm uploading it tomorrow to go out as, as full content. 
Where's your podcast with Matt? Uh, so I, I just decided this rule that I'm going to put my appearances up on Sunday, like yesterday. So I'm going to start doing it this week. The podcast I did with Matt is on his channel. So if you go to, or on his podcast, so you'll have to search Roto Underworld in the podcast app and then look for the title of the video that's called Leonard Fournette, Drunken Ballerina. Next trip after Corona is over. Bro, that's such a good question. I was thinking about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've done so many. I haven't. I haven't traveled internationally in a long time. I've done so many. The U.S. is just filled with so many good domestic places that I feel like it's worth hitting them for like three or four days at a time and paying like twenty five percent of the price than you would for like a two week vacation to like Europe or something. So over the last few years, I've traveled. You know, obviously, I'm stationed in like New York and New Jersey, but I've been to like Boston, Florida, Carolina. Austin, Texas, uh, went to New Orleans for the LSU championship game. I was in Vegas. I've been to San Diego, LA, San Francisco. So I've done a lot of traveling domestically. I think my next trip might be international. I want to make some good fucking vlogs, bro. So I, I, I think, let's see, where in Europe should I go? I've never been to Europe. Internationally, I've only been to Canada, Mexico, Australia, Thailand. That might be it, actually. But yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get the itch a little bit. I'm starting to get the, the travel itch. In non-tight end premium, 10-team non-super flex, what is Kittle worth? Two firsts. Yeah, that's that's going to be the starting point. I would probably get more than two firsts. It would probably be like a two firsts and Ian Thomas. Or like two firsts and a second and somebody shitty. Like the, you need You need to get a lot to get Kittle back. What program do you use to record? Looking at starting a podcast with two people in my hometown league, starting with YouTube. Okay, so it, it, it really depends on your setup. There are a lot of different like variations to your question there. If you are recording with multiple people, the first thing to know is that your equipment is going to matter because you're going to need mics that plug into an audio interface first. An audio interface is just this box that has multiple microphone plugs and that's the only way you can record all the audio at one time so you're going to need to put down pretty heavily into equipment if you're doing multiple people podcasting the mic the audio interface and then the plugs that go into both the mic and to the computer the way that we record fade the public is that we have the three mics that plug into i don't know if you can see that little red box yeah you see that little red box right there yeah right there that's the audio interface that plugs into my computer and will record all three mics at once. You, we record with a camera, like an actual DSLR camera. So we set this up, we put it right here. We put it on my desk and it shoots the camera. And then we use this software called Pluralize. So we have the audio files on my computer. We take the audio file, the video file from here, and it syncs it up automatically for us. So that's how we do that. And then Scott edits it on Premiere Pro. But if you're doing solo, like for live streaming, I use this website called Ecamm, or the software called Ecamm Live, which is really fucking good. I used to record just on QuickTime Player, my individual videos. I use a Logitech webcam, and my individual videos would go on QuickTime Player, but now that I upgraded the mic, QuickTime does not pick up dynamic microphones. There are two microphone types. There are dynamic and there are USB. 
Okay, so USB is pretty fucking self-explanatory. USB has a USB cord at the end of it. A lot less powerful, a lot less quality, but it plugs right into your computer so you can record audio from it. This, the dynamic mic takes these wires, which are a little bit more intense. They're like the male to female XLR wire, wires that have to go into the audio interface. Um, and QuickTime player is not like powerful enough to record that type of audio. So it gets complicated. It really depends on your setup though. If, if you do have the setup in mind, like you know what to do, you want to like hit me on an email or something, I'd be more than happy to answer you there. Never been to NY. What's the best coffee place and restaurant you know of when I can make my way there? Uh, I do. There are like a billion little like hipster coffee places in NY. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you the best coffee place. I still get coffee from Starbucks all the time. There's a great place around my apartment called Cave, K-A-H-V-E. I love their coffee. Restaurants, oh man, there are so many good ones. If you're into Italian, Carbone is good. I would suggest hitting like Prince Street Pizza. A um, lot of fucking phenomenal pizza places. Honestly, your best bet, your best bet is to go on Instagram, follow one of like the NYC Eats accounts and find something that looks like fuck because it's just like food porn all day on those accounts. So find someone that looks like... Um, Find something that looks awesome and then just figure out the fucking restaurant from there. Reverse engineer that shit. Can you do a video of how you make your videos? Uh, I, to be honest with you, I feel like all my vlogs at some point have covered that. I did a video with Joe Holka that talked about like the technic the technicalities behind it, all the software we're using and stuff, but I have updated a little bit since. Um Maybe, maybe I'll make a video for that, but over the, the longevity of my life, I have definitely made some videos like that. You should go to Vienna, beautiful city, and also most livable city in the world. Great history, great nightlife, great everything. Hmm. I was thinking about going to Amsterdam. There's a, there's a girl that I'm friends with that wants to travel to Amsterdam, and I'm probably about to hop on board with her. Vienna in Austria, huh? I'm actually part Austrian. I'm mainly Italian, but I'm Austrian. German and Russian as well. New Drake song better than Two C Slide. Yeah, Two C Slide was fucking terrible. It was a horrible song. Like that should have never caught on. It only caught on because anything Drake puts out automatically gets twenty five million eyeballs on it. But it was terrible. Yeah, New Drake song can co-sign. Go to Ireland. Yeah, dude. Like I actually kind of want to go to Ireland. I want to go to London because of yes, good point there, Tony. Um, I want to go to Ireland though. I feel like I got a lot of low key people from Ireland in my audience, and they always tell me to come. And I feel like I could literally like fucking just ball out with the subscribers there no i'm not wearing compression shorts but okay here's the thing they're just like my big dog's mesh shorts and i have obviously underwear underneath this summer's been hot as a motherfucker in new york so i have done i i don't wear pants really except for the last video when i was a farmer i wear shorts all the time now which is very uncharacteristic of me actually you almost never did but this summer's been brutal and all the shorts that I love are mesh shorts that don't have pockets. So I can't like carry around anything and I always leave my door unlocked, which is probably a terrible idea, but it's been, it's been too hot not to wear shorts and I, I'm a big fan of these short shorts. Are you even more hyped on Swift after seeing carry on in the knee brace? Uh, I, I ain't going to act like I didn't get excited about it, uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, like he's going to, he's going to take over. Um, he's going to take over that role regardless. But this definitely doesn't hurt because now he's probably going to get a lot of the first team reps. We really taking CH over Josh Jacobs. I mean, listen, I, I 
it's definitely not like a concrete thing for me. I don't like both of them are fantastic picks mid to late first round. When are you playing redraft leagues? What's your strategy with defenses? I don't really know what you mean by when are you playing redraft leagues? What's your strategy with defenses? Get Kansas City, draft the Kansas City Chiefs in the second to last round of every draft. Never draft a defense before the second to last round. Never draft a kicker before the last round. Okay, Kansas City Chiefs defenses. We want teams, we want fantasy defenses that are going against teams that are going to have to pass the ball. If you have Patrick Mahomes, the other team is going to have to put up 30 points every single game to keep up. And what that means is they're going to have a lot of dropbacks, which means a lot of sacks, a lot of strip sacks, a lot of forced fumbles, and a lot of interceptions. That's what we look for in fantasy defenses. And it doesn't hurt that Kansas City is low-key an underrated actual defense in real life. It is the perfect storm. Kansas City is going to rock fantasy football leagues in 2020. You heard it here first, second, third, and at the end of the year when we win chips because of KC defense. Who is your favorite 2021 prospect at this point that you could see yourself drafting next year? Okay, so I haven't really dove into much of the prospects yet this year. I love Travis Etienne. I'm sure him and Najee Harris will be 101, 102 off the board. Uh, depending on Superflex 2, the quarterbacks will be up there as well. But Najee Harris, Travis Etienne are my RB1, RB2. Uh, Chuba Harris is... He's going to be hyped up like a motherfucker for most people. I I, I don't know. I didn't. I did. He gave me the same feelings that like Darrell Henderson came out of his college with where it was like um, prolific numbers. So like anytime you argue with someone, they're like, yeah, but he just went for 2000 yards. Chuba Hubbard did too. I just didn't. It, it just felt like all of his yardage was based on his long speed and wide open running lanes. Like I said this with Darrell Henderson. I was like, I'm not a fan of him. The yardage was there because he has NFL speed and he's playing against people in the Memphis conference when his offensive line is dominating. He wasn't lateral. He wasn't shifty. He's not going to be able to make guys miss at the next level. Chuba Hubbard's a little bit better than that, but I get the same vibes from him. So I think he's going to be overdrafted and I like Najee and Travis way more. I mean, Jamar Chase is the obvious uh, top wide receiver for me. The other dude I absolutely fucking love is Devontae Smith out of Alabama. Every time I turned on the tape to watch Jerry Judy film this year, all I saw was Devontae Smith making absolutely ridiculous plays. He, he's just he's literally the second coming of Deshaun Jackson. His speed is fucking blazing. I, I love that dude, Devontae Smith. I saw you got that TV on the Insta or somewhere. Where did you get it? Looks like a 48-inch Roku TV. Uh, I'm not sure which TV you're talking So So that TV actually... That's Steve's TV. It doesn't work. It's broken. We just took it so that we can make a piece of content with it. We'll like we'll break some shit or something, and uh, and we'll make some some funny TikTok or some shit off of it. I have three TVs downstairs. We got like the 55 inch and then two 32s above it. Those are just smart uh, Fire Stick TVs bought off Best Buy or something. Um, one of them. You, I, I'm not sure if you're referring to the time when I flipped it up and down and just said it was only for Instagram stories. That was just a joke. We have a, they're mounted on the wall so we could flip them vertically and horizontally. And then we actually just put one up right there. So now we have one in the upstairs studio. Uh, I bought that from someone in my apartment. My apartment has this awesome fucking um, website where people who are like moving in and out. We have a lot of units in here. I think there's almost 250 units. So people are always moving in and out. And people there's like a sales it's almost like facebook marketplace but just for people in here so people are like oh you know i'm moving then we want to buy my tv for like 80 bucks so i got like a 32 inch that we mounted on the wall for for 80 bucks so in terms of like tvs per capita or per square foot we might actually be the highest ranked 
place in New York City. It's we have five, we have five TV. I got one in my room too. So technically, right now we have six TVs for fucking one apartment. It's actually kind of sobering when I think about it. It's kind of embarrassing. Okay, I'm gonna ask. Uh, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer three more questions, then I'm gonna bounce out of here. I got plans. We're hitting Fidei. We're gonna hit some of the bars on the water. We're going to Lower East Side, so today should be an absolute shit show, which I'm excited for. So make sure if you want to follow along that you are following me on Instagram for all the behind the scenes of my shitty life at Nick Herculano. Make sure you're following me on Twitter too. You think Damian Williams, Marlon Mack, and Karen Johnson could recoup value and become relevant again if they get traded? The only one I'm even remotely looking at for Dynasty is Marlon Mack. He's still young. He's coming off of a good season, and he's proven that he's going to be good. Damian Williams is too old. By the time he comes back, he's going to be way past his prime. Karyon Johnson, I still think he's like yet to prove that he can be good over the course of a season. So Marlon Mack, I'm, I'm still holding out hope for. My Superflex startup is tomorrow. It's a lot of guys first time doing Dynasty and Superflex. I have a feeling there won't be many trades and guys fading quarterbacks. How should this alter my strategy? Uh, make them... Make, the, the first round picks and the second round picks are going to be the 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 apple of their eye. Move your first round pick for... Wait till you're on the clock and they see how many good players, how many talented players are still on the board and then move the pick. Um, move it for like a second, a fourth, a fifth, and next year's first. Someone's going to do that for you. You want as many top 50, top 60 picks as possible. You want the depth. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely fine stacking quarterbacks if you want. I tend to typically go quantity over quality, but if they're going to continue to fall, then yeah, you could use them for really good trade bait later on. But don't don't be don't go crazy over not getting like all of the elite talent. Most people will give up youth and longevity and what you need to be building your dynasty team around for the elite talent. I think that's a bad move. So most first time players will make that mistake once and then learn from it. Waddle on Alabama, great too, maybe better than Smith. Yeah, possibly. I, I haven't watched enough on Waddle. I've heard a lot of hype around him, so it's possible that he's just as good, if not better. I think like they're all both of them are gonna go pretty high in the NFL draft. Also really high on Rondell Moore. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that I like, like Ray GQ has Rondell Moore as his wide receiver one. I also haven't watched enough on him. I just know that Jamar Chase is an absolute alpha. He could be like a Julio type player. And I've seen Devontae Smith. So he popped. There, there are not many players where when I watch their film, I'm like, I'm legitimately like, holy shit. Like that guy popped off the screen to me, right? He looked like he was on another playing field than the other guys, right? It's very, very, very few and far between. And uh, Devontae Smith happened to be one of those guys for me. So, y'all, that is going to be it for this live stream. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope you got some valuable information. I hope you guys get to enjoy the rest of your Saturdays. If you did enjoy it, all I ask is that you hit the thumbs up button and you subscribe to the channel if you're new. We will be dropping a new video tomorrow. A randomizer mock draft with Peter Overzet, which is fun. And make sure you're on the podcast as well because there will be exclusive audio that's not on the YouTubes. I'm ready to dominate the rest of the day. If you want to dominate your 2020 fantasy football drafts, you all know what to do. You do the instructions that are on the screen right now, monkeyknifefight.com. $10 because they are sponsoring it. You get $10 to play with when you deposit, plus all the draft guides for free. Promo code BDGE when you sign up on Monkey Knife Fight. Very important that you use the promo code. Play a game on there. I'll email you access. And I love you. And that's all the energy I have left in my fucking godforsaken soul. I... I'm out until tomorrow.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.